Welcome to Conversations. I'm your host, Doug Dewan, and joining me this segment is Dr. Gopi Dandamudi, cardiologist and executive director at Virginia Mason Franciscan Health and a volunteer medical expert for American Heart Association. Join us as we look at issues that affect us here at home in our community and across the nation. Today, we'll be talking about American Heart Month and CPR, which uh, Dr. Dandamudi, um, first of all, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Thanks for the opportunity. And I uh, can't find a better timing for this to discuss, uh, especially with the American Heart Month uh, and especially with what's happened recently in the news about uh, cardiac arrest and cardiac death. Yeah. So the world, I think we all <laughs> kind of had a moment where we came together. We're, most of us were watching uh, the Bills when DeMar Hamlin took a shot and went down on the field and immediately medical experts came out to start uh, administrating CPR on him. Uh, which I think is a great time to start talking about um, CPR. First of all, can you tell me how does one know when somebody needs CPR? What are the signs that we should be looking for? Uh, there, obviously, in his case, in Damar Hamlin's case, people clearly witnessed that he suddenly collapsed. And typically what happens in these situations are uh, when, when you have cardiac arrest, essentially it means the heart's not pumping blood anymore. So there's no blood supply going to your brain, which is uh, initially when that happens, you lose complete consciousness and you just go limp. And you can see on television how he just suddenly collapsed in front of everybody. He had no control over his bodily functions. And that's a witness to rest. And typically when you see that, especially in our world, in the cardiology world, the cardiac electrophysiology, which is the arrhythmia world, that is a hallmark of how people present when they suddenly lose consciousness because they're not getting blood supply. But sometimes as a passerby or in your family, you may find people who are unconscious and unresponsive. And that's where you have to recognize, typically we try to take a pulse, try to wake up the person and see if they can respond. If they're not responding and you feel a pulse and you don't feel a pulse, uh, we initiate uh, CPR in those situations. Essentially, when you don't have a pulse, that means the heart's not pumping blood anymore. And the first thing we start is to initiate CPR. So what does it look like um, as far as urgency goes to react? Like how soon after the event should CPR realistically start and how long maybe is too long to start before permanent risks occur? Uh, this is an immediate thing. So just to put you in, put it in context, for every minute that goes by when you have cardiac arrest and your heart's not pumping blood, your chance of survival goes down by 10%. So that means by 10 minutes for all practical purposes, the chance of survival is very, very low. So this is an immediate thing. One of the things that you saw with Tamar Hamlin is the fact that somebody recognized really quickly they had an AED uh, on field and they have all the medical experts. They immediately got to him, they started CPR and immediately shocked him out of that rhythm and got him back to what we call a, a beating rhythm. So the heart was actually beating and able to sustain a, a blood pressure and a blood flow. So that the importance cannot be emphasized. This is Time is of the essence. We're talking about minutes here before your survival chances go down significantly. Yeah. And now you talk about cardiac arrest. Can you explain to me the difference between a cardiac arrest and like a heart attack? Is there a difference? And if so, what are we looking at? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people seem to get a little confused about it. Uh, when you're looking at the heart itself, the heart has a muscle and that muscle pumps blood. So the heart is basically a big muscle uh, that pumps blood. In order to pump blood, something has to make that muscle squeeze. And in this case, the electrical system is what makes that muscle squeeze. That electrical activity spreads through the muscle and makes it uh, what we call contract or squeeze. And when you have a problem with the 
electrical system where it's not causing the heart to squeeze and pump blood. That's what we call cardiac arrest. When you're talking about a heart attack, we're talking about the muscle itself. So the muscle uh, gets blood supply, uh, essentially, and whenever that blood supply is interrupted, the heart muscle can squeeze. Even though you have an electrical activity, the heart muscle is getting damaged and uh, because it's not getting blood supply and it, gets, um, and it can't squeeze. So that's the difference between a heart attack and the easy way, a layman's way of thinking about it is a plumbing problem results in a heart attack. An electrical problem results in cardiac arrest. So in the case of DeMar Hamlin, it seems to occur when a hit happened. Now, how common is that? What is what is uh, how common is cardiac arrest in the first place? And then are there other causes other than like particularly a sudden hit to the chest? Yeah, it's uh, obviously none of this stuff has been uh, reported out yet of what his cause was uh, in the news or, or any of the medical channels. But People have raised the issue of uh, contact. So like we talked about the electrical system, if you think about an electrical system, it, it discharges itself and then less like a battery has to recharge before it discharges again. There are certain periods within that recharging period of your own heart electrical system where a sudden contact, a sudden blow to the heart can create a dangerous arrhythmia. That's what we call it. Uh, people have probably read about it called commodio cortis. Mm -hmm. It's extremely rare uh, for the amount of sports that happens in contact sports uh, worldwide and in this country. Uh, we're talking full, talking about a handful of people who suffer this. Uh, and, and there are other reasons as well, even though we, we've kind of described that in this case, that maybe that was the case. Uh, we don't know. There are other types of inherited where you're born with uh, problems, uh, a common, very common uh, relatively speaking, with sudden cardiac death, uh, a problem is what's called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That's the uh, regime. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you heard of stories of athletes collapsing and dying on the uh, while playing basketball, for example, mm -hmm. and, and so on. And th those are so there are other types of uh, heart problems inherited or otherwise that can cause cardiac arrest. And there it happened to be the most common cause, not this sudden impact called commodio cortis. That it's relatively rare compared to the other forms of cardiac arrest. So let's talk about the actual act of CPR then. Um, I feel like in my lifetime, the suggested way to do CPR has changed. Like when I was a kid, I think it was like uh, 10 or 15 pumps and then you do a couple breaths and then you do 10 or 15 pumps, then you do a couple breaths. And now I'm hearing about hands-only CPR. Uh, what is your suggestion? What's hands-only CPR and should we still be breathing at the same time? Yeah. So in the past, the whole idea was uh, if you can help the breathing part and increase the oxygen levels by by breathing into uh, a victim and at the same time doing chest compressions. And, and in order to do that, obviously, if you're doing it by yourself, you have to interrupt uh, chest compressions versus uh, giving breaths, rest, what we call rescue breaths. But it, what we have learned uh, is that uh, there's really no difference between the two, except that it may actually hurt you because you have to interrupt to give breaths. And most mm -hmm. of the times, it's cardiac reasons why people have cardiac arrest and not because of breathing related issues uh, and so on. So what we have learned is to do continuous compressions of the chest. Basically what we're doing when we're doing compressions are we're trying to make that heart squeeze some blood out so that it can perfuse your vital organs, especially your brain. And there's also a sudden cadence to it where you have to do it at a certain rate. That's where it seems to be effective, where you can get the most amount of, uh, of squeeze out of the heart at a certain cadence. Uh, and that's around 100 beats to 120 beats. You know, there's some songs 
that uh, player that beat uh, that people can listen to get a feel for it. But usually we say between 100 to 120. So there are also exceptions to this. For example, when you see young children or people who drown, typically uh, we do recommend doing bre- uh, rescue breaths there because usually it's a, a breathing related issue that has resulted in cardiac arrest. But for adults, more commonly, it's a cardiac problem or a heart problem that results in cardiac arrest. Now, in addition to CPR, uh, we've seen people use defib- defibrillators. And like you talk about with DeMar Hamlin, uh, I believe it's an AED, an automated external defibrillator, uh, in addition to the CPR. Can you share what an AED is and what does it do? When should it be used? So an AED, just like you described, it's an automated external defibrillator. So when your heart is in a dangerous arrhythmia, uh, especially an arrhythmia called ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation, that's what most of the time results in cardiac arrest. The fastest way to get people back into rhythm is actually uh, shocking their heart back into rhythm. So we're essentially resetting their heart rhythm back to their own normal rhythm. And as long as the rhythm remains in that dangerous rhythm, the chance of survival uh, goes down significantly. Even though you're doing CPR, CPR is just a measure to try to keep that blood flowing while you're trying to address the cardiac rhythm. So the underlying problem is actually the cardiac rhythm problem. So first and foremost, if you can actually put people back into rhythm, that's the most important thing uh, besides chest compressions. And it's, it's pretty uh, self-explanatory. You see these everywhere in airports to uh, public facilities where, you know, I see a little box that's hanging on the wall with the glass and it says AED use. If you can actually remove that packet, it'll be self, uh, pretty self-explanatory instructions of essentially placing pads on patient's chest that help detect the rhythm and actually also can discharge uh, uh, electricity, essentially a charge uh, to reset the heart rhythm. So now I think the thing that we have been lied to for our entire life from movies, you don't use this when a heart is completely stopped. You use it when the heart is beating irregularly, correct? Yes. Uh, I think uh, you see a lot of televisions where they'll show you there's a, a flat line where you basically have no rhythm and they say shock the patient. So these are usually what we call ventricular tachycardia, ventricular fibrillation. That's where we typically uh, on the field, if they're having cardiac arrest, we shock them. There are certain rhythms where your heart actually has no rhythm. Uh, we call that, we use the term asystole. Basically, there's no rhythm. At that point, shocking the heart doesn't do anything because uh, you're, you're not trying to reset the rhythm. There is no rhythm in the first place. Okay, so then the next question is, uh, are there times when you should not be administering CPR? Are there certain instances, for example, where you could be doing more harm than good? Or is this a, if the heart is not pumping or pumping really irregularly, you should always do it? Yeah, by default, you should always do it in situations where you find somebody unconscious, where you take their pulse and they're not pumping blood uh, in, in those cases. Because time is of the essence. If you, there are probably no real dangerous situations where you actually do CPR where it can be harmful versus uh, it's such a common problem uh, when you see somebody like that who's unconscious without a pulse that it's cardiac arrest that you're better off performing uh, proper CPR trying to resuscitate those people rather than worrying about what the consequences may be. So then uh, to to kind of follow up on that, you say proper CPR. So I'm guessing that most people don't have great training in CPR. If somebody wanted more training or to take a class, what do you recommend they do? Uh, great question. Again, you're only as good as you practice these things. And even us as physicians, we, we do these uh, every year or every year to two years. Essentially, we have to practice our own skills, even though we do these 
not too uncommonly in a hospital setting. A lot of local uh, support. Uh, there are a lot of local programs that you can look up on the web uh, where you can actually learn hands-on CPR. There's also the American Auto Association. You can go to their website, probably they'll list uh, the local areas. Going to your local fire station, for example, they, they may be able to help you or, or guide you to the right place. But uh, it's extremely important. And one of the, uh, the discussions I have with patients, why the importance of learning CPR, especially if you have a sick one in your, in your household who's living, about 70% of these cardiac arrests actually happen at home. Mm. So it's inc- and, and uh, it's not a trivial number. About 350,000 of these cases happen each year. So it's always good for everybody in the family to learn how to do uh, hands, hands-on CPR, hands-only CPR uh, in this case, because you never know when you're going to be able to use it and whose life you'll be saving on the other end. Yeah, that's amazing. Again, I'm talking to Dr. Gopi Dandamudi. Uh, and so it, are there any other resources that you would like to, uh, suggest before I let you go? Uh, just, uh, there's a lot of information now because of Damar Hamlin and what happened recently. And he's also with Lisa Mary Presley, uh, Presley, she mm-hmm. passed away from cardiac arrest as well. Uh, I think, uh, a, a American Heart Association is a great resource. Uh, uh, there's other resources in your communities as well. I think understanding what it is, like you pointed out very nicely, what's the difference between a heart attack and cardiac arrest how to do hands-on CPR, um, hands-only CPR, and and just being aware of, of your surroundings and, and these kinds of issues, I think, goes a long way in, in helping not only your loved ones, but taking care of people in your own communities. Well, I really appreciate your time, and thank you so much for, for spending some time and explaining these things to us. Thanks a lot, Doug. I appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Conversations is a public affairs program of this station.